Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we roll on with our season previews for each team. We're going to talk about the NC State Wolfpack, my favorite. You know, uh, we're going to talk about them tonight. Uh, how are you doing? You ready to go? Joey loves him some Dave Doran talk. I I do love talking about Dave Doran. That That is true. I it's can't the- do that. I was going to say, it's one of those deals where, you know, you're home alone later. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, we had Stephen Muma on for backing the pack for a second year in a row. Um, you know, really Lord. insightful discussion. Yeah, sorry. Really insightful discussion about the Wolfpack. Um, he's one of, I, I mean, I, I say this about a lot of our guests. I'm like, this guy is real, real smart when it comes to a specific team. Steven Muma is no exception. Um, mm-hmm. We're happy to have him on. There's a lot of really funny moments in this interview. We laugh a lot, um, mostly because we can't believe NC State was so bad last year. And there were a couple of different things that were contributing to it, both in NC State's control and out of NC State's control. So we dive into a lot of that. And for those fellow Wolfpack fans out there, yes, there were discussions about turnovers. So stay tuned. Yeah. There, there was a lot of commiserating and just like on some level can't believe it just found a way to get that bad. Um, but at the same time, it turned into a discussion of, well, and that's why it should just in, inherently be better this year. Right. So a lot of discussion around how we should take the impressions from 2019 and kind of translate them into 2020 in a kind of a opposite manner. So uh, right. a lot of good discussion around that. Um, some really interesting thoughts, I guess, on the, on the quarterback situation and, and on the offense and just Dave Doran and just everything NC State. I mean, there was a lot of discussion here of what we've seen from this whole program the last couple of years. So uh, really good conversation. Mike, I, unless you had anything else, I think we just go ahead and jump right in. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's do it. Uh, so once again, this is our conversation with Mr. Stephen Muma from BackingThePack.com on the SB Nation Network. Really fun conversation talking about the 2020 season for NC State. Here you go. Take a listen. All right, Mike, we now welcome back Mr. Stephen Muma of BackingThePack.com on the SB Nation Network, talking all things NC State Wolfpack. Stephen, it's, it's been a little while since we've had you on, but you are our go-to guy right now on NC State all things with that football program. Welcome back. It's good to have you back. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you kind of had to drag me to this one, kicking, screaming a little bit to talk about last year, but I suppose we'll get through it. <laughs> well, as with all things in 2020, it's, it'll get better. We promise. It'll get better. Right? Anybody? Nobody? Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Stephen, thanks thanks again for joining us. And we do want to talk about um, this 2020 season in particular with NC State. But I think before we do that, let's talk a little bit about kind of the, the status of the program and specifically what I want to hit on. And this will come as a shock to nobody is Dave Doran and his status in the program. Um, any regular listeners to this program at this point know that I am skeptical of, of Dave Dorn and the program, and, and I was a little curious to see kind of if, if they could really sustain success going into last year with as much as they lost. Sure enough, it ended up being a, a rough year. I think, you know, pretty much as bad as they've had ever since he, he got to NC State, and that first year was pretty pretty tough. But it, I, I guess I'm, I'm curious from the fan base's perspective and from around the program, is there is there real heat on Dave Doran to pick it up moving forward? Is the thought that last year was just kind of an aberration, or is there real concern about what this is going to be in the next two to three years? I think I think there's definitely real concern. Um, anytime you crater like that, that far into your coaching tenure, it, that tends to be worrying. And yeah, just a, his first year was just kind of a, a year zero type situation where they were so bad they didn't win a conference game. That's that's one thing, but to do that in year seven, it's a bit different. It, it does definitely kind of give you a bit of crisis of con- confidence. And yeah, of course, people were talking about it and uh, discussing whether Doran deserved to come back. And I think a, what a lot of it was people saying basically is kind of an ultimatum, like better make some changes at the very least uh, if you're going to come back and, and get, get another shot at this, which um, I mean, if we're being honest, he had just signed a, a a contract, new contract pretty recently after flirting with Tennessee. So I don't think there was any like serious consideration to him being fired last year, especially with uh, NC state bringing in a brand new uh, athletics director. But uh, I think certainly this year that could be a possibility if it goes really, really poorly again. Um, I still, I still don't think he's in that big of trouble, but I guess, I guess we'll see. So, yeah, interesting year for Dave Doran. And look, Stephen, Joey and I for a a few years now have talked about NC State kind of being the bar in the ACC. And what we mean by that is NC State, it's a never get too high, never get too low sort of situation where they seem to always beat the teams they're supposed to. They seem to almost always lose to the teams that they're supposed to. And there really wasn't that much of a variation. Um, under Dave Doran throughout the early part of his tenure. And then last year, things just cratered. What do you think was the single biggest obstacle? Because I know that there were several a year ago for NC State, and we hadn't seen that really under Dave Doran at all. We had seen kind of bits and pieces of stuff not not panning out like maybe we thought, but we hadn't seen it kind of all come together and bottom out the way that it did a year ago. So what do you think was the single biggest issue for the Wolfpack last year that kind of led to this collapse? You could you could go one of two directions, either with the incredible plague of injuries, which is you know people will say you know hey that's not an excuse, that's fine if you feel that way, but but also you have to really consider that if the injuries are that extremely bad, then it, it is seriously an issue, and uh, but I think primarily if you want to look at this from a strictly football perspective. It's the fact that uh, they they changed offensive coordinators because Eli Drinkwitz left for the App State job. They promoted from within to two guys that didn't really have a lot of a track record uh, calling offenses. And uh, 
So they've got these guys in there, basically just trying to fold over the same scheme with the players they have on hand, which is which makes sense. But uh, when you combine that with also um, trying to replace a multi-year starting quarterback, um, it, it can be potentially uh, a recipe for disaster. In this case, it was because um, none of the quarterbacks played up to any sort of standard approaching like average ACC quarterback play and uh, the play calling in general just didn't help them. Didn't really put them in positions to succeed either. So it was one of those things where the offense was kind of DOA. Um, and then, the, and then as the injuries stacked up, it just kind of really slid downhill. I, I thought that the quarterback situation last year in particular was kind of bizarre almost in the way that it was like to the degree of a rotating door that it was, you had three guys, Devin Leary, Matthew McKay, Bailey Hockman, who none of which played more than eight games, but each played at least six games. And so like, it was just back and forth between all of them the whole year. There were, it, it took until late in the year to really settle on anybody as a starter. Now we go into next year. Matthew McKay has transferred out. He's no longer in the equation, but now there's Devin Leary and Bailey Hockman. And this just feels like a segue, by the way, I'm going to come back and hit coordinators in a little bit, but for quarterbacks right now, I mean, is, is there any more sense of stability and consistency there? Or is, is it still just kind of an open door of whoever goes out and wins the job? I think it, it, it's it been pretty clear through uh, Dave Doran's posture, through the, what uh, coaches have said, through the way they've approached the offseason, that it's, it's this is Devin Leary's job right now. Uh, and this is something where he ended the regular season – they eventually just decided towards the latter third of the irregular season, I suppose it was, to just just let Devin Leary uh, get the experience, let him get the reps, see what happens. Because, you know, he had played really no worse than the other two guys, so might as well just let the freshman play. Um, so we're coming into this, this we're coming into this spring, you know, thinking, all right, it's Leary's job to lose. And that's partly what's been painful as well with the, from the, just strictly from the football team's perspective, is just they lost that entire spring uh, of practices lost the spring game to evaluate um, and see that competition kind of mature potentially. Um, But I don't think there's reason to expect anything other than Devin Leary as the starting quarterback in week one. So what do you think is the single biggest thing he has to improve on? Because like it was, as you mentioned, he wasn't really playing any worse than the other guys once he got in. Right. It wasn't like this huge drop off or um, improvement, I guess, for Matthew McKay, for example. Um, But what do you think is the single biggest thing that he needs to improve on, I guess, in his sophomore year, kind of heading to his fall season? He's just flat out got to be more efficient. It's, it's absolutely, obviously, it's unacceptable at, at a power conference level or really anywhere in FBS these days um, if you want to have a successful offense. You can't be complete in less than half your passes. I mean, that's, that's just bottom line. And it's just the offense also wasn't particularly explosive, and that's not entirely on Leary. Um, that's certainly partly on the receiving core as well. Um, the, the whole passing unit in general needs to be better, but Leary needs to be more efficient, more effective, um, lead better from the pocket, I think, and uh, – some of that stuff is is things that he's has worked on for sure during this offseason. It just have to, just a matter of is it going to pay off. Uh, I was a little surprised that they didn't seem to look at all into the transfer quarterback market during the offseason. They were instead seemingly content to just kind of stick with the guys they already have in the room, which I guess you could take as encourage is a sign of encouraging things. But uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where he's just going to have to prove it. 
Stephen, I, I do want to take a, a step back here and look a little bit at the coaching staff a little bit more. Uh, in particular, in, in 2019, Dave Doran had offensive coordinator Des Kitchings. He had co-defensive coordinator Dave Huxtable. Both of them were relieved of their duties. Um, and now you've got offensive coordinator Tim Beck. And Tony Gibson now is like the full-time, full-on control of the defense defensive coordinator. A lot of discussion of kind of where, you know, the impact's going to be made. Do you feel like one or the other is a bigger change or a more impactful change to have made? I think it's got to be Tim Beck by far. We've already had, I think we've seen some of Tony Gibson's fingerprints on the defense already. Uh, But I think having someone like Beck, I mean, and of course, I'm sure there's plenty of people at Texas that would, you know, tell, say this, that his, his weaknesses are this and that and that and that, because everyone hates their offensive coordinator. But, uh, you know, there's definitely <laughs> something to be said. Yeah. In this case, there's something to be said for experience. I mean, it, it helps that he's a good recruiter, but it definitely helps that he has a lot of experience running offenses. So he kind of, he knows the drill at this point. And that's, that's what the team I think was missing to a, to a large extent last year, because Kitchings had never called an offense before. And uh, George McDonald, who was also the co-coordinator, was uh, did so briefly at Syracuse, and it didn't go well. Um, and McDonald is still on the staff in a in a kind of different role. But Kitchings, unfortunately, he was a great asset to the to coaching staff. But it was one of those things where he got promoted too far up. So at this point, they couldn't just like kind of give him like a fancy title and a raise, and it, that wasn't that wasn't going to be good enough. So he just they kind of parted ways and. Um, lost him on the staff and and pretty much every other guy that was on the staff last year is gone. I believe McDonald might be the only holdover, if I'm not mistaken. Steven, let's talk about turnover margin. Now is as good a time as any. Um, sure. <laughs> it, and I'm just going to just open the floor to you uh, because you put it very eloquently before we hit record. So uh, turnover margin, go. Oh, God. Uh, it's one of the most bizarre things. Bizarre. I've seen a lot of weird NC State football things happen over the years. This one's right up there in terms of bizarreness. Just if you imagine a team going fully half of a year without forcing a single turnover, that's what NC State did. Uh, forced a turnover uh, against Ball State. That was like their fifth turnover of the year, I believe, forced. They went then six straight games. Uh, without forcing a single turnover, all of those were league games, by the way, which clearly doesn't help. So they went literally two calendar months without forcing a turnover. They finished the year with eight total turnovers forced. And I mean, it's one thing if if you've got talent problems and your offense is a bit of a mess and there's injuries, but you're just not going to be competitive if you can't at least have a prayer of breaking even in turnover margin. And NC State could not do that for two months, which is just it seems impossible. It just does not seem possible to do that because so they still they finish with a, a negative 13 margin, despite the fact that, you know, turning the ball over 21 times is not that bad. It's not a huge number. It's not really out of line with what they've done uh, in the recent past either. But it was just such a terrible lack of any sort of disruptive play on the defense. And this is also where uh, some problems with the secondary and some of the, the injuries um, didn't didn't help here, but just uh, you would think there would have been like a lucky bounce or just a weird uh, a sack fumble play or something that would have gone NC State's way somewhere in that stretch of six games where not a single turnover was committed by an NC State opponent. 
Stephen, I, I want you to know you, you're we're in a safe space here. You, you're <laughs> among friends. We can call it what it is. It, it wasn't NC State stuff. It was NC State shit. Is what it was. That's the the old moniker. That's right. Yes, absolutely. There, it, it, very much a whole lot of shit that was. Um, but yeah, it's just. I mean, it's tough. A lot of those games were not even competitive, just because everything was piled up on the negative side, from the injuries to the lack of execution to the, also they can't get any breaks. Uh, just the turnover thing was. If you're looking for a source of optimism, by the way, that would be one of those things because turnover margin is not uh, one of those things that particularly correlates well year to year. Um, so it's not something you can expect necessarily to to hold. And certainly NC State, you would think, will bounce back to a more normal uh, forced turnover number in 2020. Yeah, I mean, if that margin, which was minus 13, I believe, on the year, like if that margin is cut in half, like that's a pretty drastic improvement probably in 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 the win total. So that, that, that makes a huge difference. Um I guess we've, we've, we've hit a little bit on the offense. We'll, we'll hit a little bit more, I guess, just on we, – we've talked a lot about scheme and, sk- and the quarterback situation. Just kind of quickly, the other 10 guys on the field, you know, the running back room, the wide receiver core, the offensive line, all of that. Almost everybody from that whole group that was on the field last year returns this year. That bodes pretty well for things, especially when you've got a guy like Zonovan Knight leading the charge uh, for, for that offense coming out of the backfield. Yeah, one of the positives from last year definitely was the the young running backs on this team. Knight in particular has a lot of promise. I think he can be really, really good. Everybody's excited about Zonovan Knight, um, or Bam as we call him, Bam Knight. Um, also, mm-hmm. Jordan Houston, though, a uh, little more under the radar, but dude is fast as heck, um, big time potential play, big playmaker. Um, I think they can find. I think hopefully um, the new offensive coordinator can find some more interesting ways to utilize him alongside uh, Bam Knight this year. Um, also can't forget about Ricky Person. He's been banged up a ton, but he is a former like four-star kid out of high school. Lots of talent. Uh, he just has never been able to really get on track. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of potential at that position group. And I think up front they should be okay uh, in general that they've been pretty solid there through Dorn's tenure, uh, regardless of who's coaching the offensive line. So I think that will continue um, it shouldn't be a, a significant problem area anyway. Uh, wh- where NC State definitely needs more is that receiver where I would say Emeka Mezzi, I think he would probably admit that he didn't have the year he wanted last season. It was really his opportunity to become the, the number one receiver after kind of working a few years behind uh, Kelvin Harmon and, and Jacoby Myers, uh, where he really thrived in kind of a, a third option situation. Uh, last year, he he was a little inconsistent at times. Um, sometimes, you know, he can make a great acrobatic catch, and other times he would just drop some easy ones. Um, you know, but NC State needs to find more vertical offense through the passing game, no question. Getting C.J. Riley back from injury, um, knock on wood, will will definitely make a difference there. And hopefully, I also really like Kerry Angeline at, at tight end. He's a huge target, um, just one of those big six seven six eight basketball looking guys. You know good red zone target that hopefully they can utilize a bit more this year. He led the team in touchdown catches last season. Um, so hopefully he'll ha- continue to have that influence. Um, and it's just a matter of maybe finding another guy or two in there. Maybe it's um, Porter Rooks, who's a true freshman. He was the a four-star kid out of high school last year. The, probably the, the best player, I think, in NC State's recruiting class. Maybe somebody like that emerges um, or somebody else that's unheralded at this point. But, you know, that in general – 
it always gets back to the quarterback, but you know, there's, there's certainly reason to believe that the offense can be better this year. So how are we feeling about the defense? Because I guess out of the two sides of the ball last year, NC State, I guess, can come away feeling a little bit better about the defense and the offense just because of all the uncertainty of quarterback. But at the same time, I mean, there are certainly areas that they can improve upon there, too. Yeah, the defense, I think, was a pretty typical story for uh, what we had seen the last several years, which is one reason why Dave Huxtable is no longer in Raleigh. And it, it always felt like at times that they weren't quite uh, – they were less than the sum of their parts – um, just weren't quite as good as they maybe should have been based on the, the talent level on the team. Um, I think that was true last year and then kind of, and they played okay early on. They actually, uh, in, in particular, they, they did a pretty good job at Florida state for a while in that game. The defense kind of single-handedly kept them in that game. Um, they were disruptive for a bit there, but then again, it's where the, the injury attrition kind of really killed the secondary where it was just a, got a bunch of, of green first-year guys with no experience playing back there in the secondary, and it really cost them over the course of the year. But I think if we're looking for positives heading into 2020, they found some guys at linebacker who look like they're going to be important players going forward, like uh, Peyton Wilson. Uh, he played pretty well down the stretch. Um, and they'll still have some pretty good defensive line talent despite losing Laurel Murchison. Aline McNeil in particular is probably the best pro prospect on the team. Uh, he's a defensive tackle. He's potentially poised, I think, for a big year, uh, assuming we play football, of course. But um, linebacking crew should be <laughs> solid, I think. Linebacking core should be solid. Um, yeah, so the front she- front seven should at least be okay. As usual, it's NC State's had trouble building quality depth of any sort at corner and, and safety at times. So it's, it's as usual, it's going to be, you know, can those guys play at a at a higher level? Can they produce more? Steve, let's talk uh, special teams real quick. And I, and I think that there's a there's an aspect of this team that a lot of people probably don't realize that NC State has something really good going for it right now and even through it all last year. And that's the kicker, Chris Dunn, and the punter, Trenton Gill. To paraphrase our guy, Pat McAfee, my guys hit big balls, right? Like... <laughs> Chris Dunn, 21 to 24 as college kickers go, damn near automatic. Trenton Gill, 47 and a half yards per punt, huge leg. I mean, as much as was kind of a struggle and, a, and frustrating for NC State last year, those two aspects of the, this team were really solid, and they're both back and should be as good, if not better, than ever. Yeah, this is by far the best uh, kicking game that Dave Dorn has had since he's been in Raleigh. And these guys will be around for a couple more years, thankfully. So they're they're in good shape here. Uh, yeah, Trenton Gill, I would jokingly say, was the team MVP last season with as much as they punted the ball. Um, so he really got a lot of practice in there. You know, he really got into a groove uh, last season. And, uh, <laughs> Chris Dunn, they do a good job of keeping him out of some tough situations, but he's he's really accurate inside 40 yards. So they were they were missing that for for a while there. Um, so it's good to have basically the chip shots or chip shots again. So that's nice. You really want most of your players to be in a groove. You don't want your punter to be in a groove. <laughs> this is true. This sadly is true. Hey, we gotta take. The, we gotta find the silver linings where we can. <laughs> oh. All right, Mike. Do we want to take a look at the schedule here, real quick? Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> I think we do. Okay. We'll punt to the schedule. Okay. <laughs> 
Careful, careful. Um, yeah, let's take a look real quick. This schedule, and, and Stephen, what we've been doing is really focusing primarily on the 10 ACC games. I mean, pretty much everybody in the ACC that still has a non-conference game on the schedule scheduled a win. They're games that they should be like 80% favorites in. I don't think this is any different for NC State had Liberty on the schedule. A lot of discussion around ACC teams playing Liberty in the last week or two, and that's another discussion for a different day. But that, by all yeah. intents and purposes, I mean, that should be a win for NC State. Um, the other 10 games, you know, the just the ACC slate here, it is a little bit daunting. Um, got got some tough matchups, and again, for a team trying to bounce back, you know, starting out on the road at Virginia Tech, road games at Pitt and at Virginia back-to-back, at North Carolina, um, getting home games against Miami and Florida State. I mean, this is, this is not a, a particularly easy, forgiving schedule, we'll say. Although it is nice missing, what, Clemson, Louisville, and Notre Dame. Like, that's kind of nice to not have to deal with any of those. Oh man, I almost threw a party when I saw that we weren't playing Clemson this year. That's just just fantastic. It's like I'm on vacation all the entire season. <laughs> <laughs> no, which is which is funny because NC State was kind of on vacation all last season. Ah, <laughs> I really set myself up for that one. That's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it's actually it's it's weird when you look at a schedule without all that padding, that non-conference padding. And it's like, damn, there's like no, uh, there's no breaks in here. Uh, you do, it's just another one of those things where the circumstances of this year have been such, such a difficult thing for a team that's trying to break in new players, new coaches. Uh, you would also like to have, you know, maybe a couple of warm up games in September to just kind of get everybody comfortable with each other and and see how they interact on on the field on game days and, you know, let let the guys figure out what works uh, scheme wise against some, some tomato cans, but no, we're just jumping right into Virginia tech here. So that's, that's great. <laughs> Which I mean, <sighs> Mike's really upset Hokies, about, I mean, considering, yeah, but I mean, considering what the Hokies have been recently, I mean, there could be worse season openers, you know? Um, so <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. I, I don't know Yeah, Last year was a very strange year for Virginia tech. No doubt. Um, yes. But, yeah, and that was uh, following up a six-win season, and the only reason they got that far is because they rescheduled a Marshall game at the end of the year. So that was, whew. Man, yeah. I, you, you could have worse. I, I, I know that uh, Tech will probably be favored in that game, but you could have worse season openers. I'll tell you that from a more pessimistic point of view as a Virginia Tech fan and alum. I'll take it. Thank you. That helps. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Stephen, looking down the schedule, I mean, I think Joey's right. Like, if you're NC State, you're Dave Doran, and you're looking at this thing, and you're like, man, how do we improve upon a year ago? Like, how do we kind of show that that was more of an aberration than, like, the new normal? Not having Clemson on the schedule is a great way to do it. Um, and th- there are some games in here that I think are really winnable for NC State. I mean, any Tech opener, like, yeah, Tech will be favored, but who's to say Tech shows up? Right. And then you look sure. a little bit further, you know, Wake Forest replacing a quarterback, you know, week three. And I mean, Sage Sherratt Sage today. Uh, opted yeah, out oh, yeah. There. Yep. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you for that, too. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, Sage Sherratt opted out literally this afternoon. So that makes the offense a lot easier to defend. So now they have their best receiver out. Um, their starting quarterback's gone. They have Sam Hartman, who has game experience, a quarterback. That's, you know, a step down from Jamie Newman, to put it lightly. 
Um, so you get that you get that game at home. You're you're on the road to Pittsburgh. Nobody likes going to play at Heinz Field, but it's a little bit different this year because every game is a morgue. Like every game is yeah. not going to have fans. <laughs> so it's a little bit different this year. And, and Pittsburgh should be pretty. I mean, it should be pretty decent. But you know, I'm not sold particularly on Kenny Pickett. I know that Joey's not either. And then, you know, Virginia loses a lot on offense. Duke's got to replace a quarterback. They haven't had a running game in basically three or four years. I mean, North Carolina, Miami, Florida State, like that stretch is pretty tough. But I think Liberty, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech are all winnable games. So it's it's kind of this weird dynamic where I'm like, man, do I believe that NC State can really be as bad as they were last year? Like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. But at the same time, like there are a lot of winnable games on the schedule too, in my opinion, or at least at, at the very least toss up games. Yeah, there, there's definitely opportunity here without question. I think, uh, you know, the, there's an opportunity on the back end to, to win those last three games. As you said, um, Syracuse was their only win in conference in 2019. So there's might as well go ahead and figure they can possibly win that one again. Um, certainly they should probably be favored against Georgia tech. I would think probably favored against wake forest and, Certainly favorite against Liberty. Um, Duke game is gettable for sure. Uh, I would. I'm completely forgetting about the the North Carolina, Miami, Florida State stretch. Even though NC State has typically given Florida State some trouble over the years, especially in Raleigh. Uh, just just don't think. When I look at the talent disparity in in those games, those opponents, I just don't see it with without having an exceptional quarterback. That's usually been the necessary component in years past for beating teams like that have just a noticeable um, degree of more talent. Uh, but, you know, I, the first half, it is kind of funny that NC State's playing literally every team in the Coastal this year. Um, so maybe there'll be some weird Coastal chaos that NC State gets to participate in as a, as a visitor. And I like Pittsburgh <laughs> a lot. I like Pittsburgh a lot. Um, I actually think Virginia, I'm not sold that they're going to be any good in, after what they've lost offensively. Stuart Mandel would Stuart Mandel would love to uh, say otherwise though he's got him in his top twenty five <laughs> for some reason and we're all Joey and I are still trying to figure that out. <laughs> no idea. So, so I feel like Virginia's gettable. I feel like Virginia. I mean, for some reason NC State struggles against Wake Forest no matter what, whether no matter what the the spread in, is supposed to be in those games. So who knows there? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where basically bottom line, if they somehow manage to get to like five and five and or I guess in this case, it would be six and five, including Liberty, if that game's played. Uh, that would be a, a major success, I think, since they don't have the, that padding from those other non-conference FCS games or whatever it would be. Delaware, we're going to play Delaware. Um, missing that one, that's a tragedy. Uh, that that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> There's a throwback for you. Um, Stephen, there was one more little thing that I wanted to hit on here with the schedule, and it's something that like the outside observer would basically not really notice or be aware of, but to ACC hardcores that it's kind of hard to ignore is that in redoing the schedule, if I'm not mistaken, the ACC put together just like a full on round Robin of the four teams in North Carolina and NC state gets two of the three at home. Just, I, I don't need like predictions on which games they win or lose there, but more just, I guess, what are the general like fan base perception implications uh, of winning or losing those games at home against Wake Forest, at home against Duke, and then at North Carolina? I think Duke is going to end up being the big one. Um, 
the Wake Forest one, it's it's one of those things where it's more of like a friendly um, rivalry kind of thing. And the last, last few years have been frustrating, though, because it feels like NC State has outplayed them. Last year was an exception. NC State rarely outplayed anyone, um, but the two years prior, NC State definitely outplayed Wake Forest and, and still came away with losses to show for it. Um, so there's a score to be subtle there that would be nice, um, but there's always less pressure playing Wake Forest than there is playing the other two without question. Uh, Duke's going to be important because, number one, NC State hasn't played Duke since like 1897. And uh, number two, that's a lead up into the North Carolina game the next week, which is an almost certain loss. Uh, just I just don't see any way NC State can put up a big fight there. Um, I'm sure they'll come out and look better, but just too much Sam Howell on that team, too much of their strength against NC State's weakness, uh, which we saw exposed pretty badly this past year. Uh, so the Duke game, I think, is going to be kind of a pivot point where it can start to, you know, this is the also the danger for, for Dave Dorn after last year. Now he's got more rivalry games than he usually does. And uh, if he goes over in those, then, you know, you're going to hear more grumbling because what's helped him for sure has been his general success against North Carolina in particular. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. So what we're saying is that those those two in-state games that NC State gets at home. So obviously we're saying the game at North Carolina, real tough to expect much from NC State in that game. But between the home game against Wake Forest and the home game at Duke, there's probably a pretty decent perception swing on this coaching staff within the NC State fan base based on how those games go. I think so because I would figure at worst those are coin flip games. You know, from a like a on paper Vegas perspective. And you know, definitely, especially early in the year, that Wake Forest game, winning that game would really help the team's confidence a lot, I think. And uh, it, it would also really help a lot, given that they'll be on the road the, the two weeks after that. So it's those two home games um, with three out of the first five games on the road. Um, those two games definitely stand out as important for a wide variety of reasons. Do you think there's a pivot point in this schedule, Stephen, where you look at and you're like, man, if they don't win this particular game, things are going to go really south in a hurry. Like, I, I'm sure there was a moment a year ago where you were like, oh, yeah, this really this really isn't going to be good this year. Like, where do you think that moment is going to be on the schedule for NC State? And do you think it's going to be in the month of September? Yeah, I, I don't think – not sure it will be in September, although it, it is tough not to, to point to that Wake Forest game, even though it is so early just because of what's happened in that series in recent memory. But I still feel like, you know, I could see a scenario where they're one in three going into that Duke game in the middle of October, and then right after that you've got North Carolina, Miami, Florida State. So if it's one of those things where mm – -hmm. If the Duke game goes badly uh, and they're going, they're looking at say one and four or, God forbid, zero oh and five going into that next stretch, then you can just—that's all she wrote for the season for sure. Um, so they got to figure out a way, bottom line, to win at least like two games out of those first five. Just from an overall record pers pers uh, perspective, wow, words. Um, again, kind of knowing that NC State, hopefully, between turnovers and injuries and. Uh, I mean, a little bit of stability, hopefully, will bounce back from last year. And knowing that we miss Clemson, Louisville, Notre Dame, you know, some of those teams. But also realizing what is on the schedule. Steven, do you have a, a record prediction or just what a general expectation kind of should be 
from this fan base? It's it's so tough with with so much that has changed, so much that's up in the air still. It's just without having any clue really, you know, did all that work at, at that Devin Leary did at quarterback in the L season, did all that really, is that going to pay dividends like to a significant degree? Because if, if it's just a rerun of last season's quarterback play, then there's really no reason to expect this team to win more than two or three games. If, if that's different, uh, if he steps it up to a level where he's at least more of a confident to slightly above average quarterback, say like Kenny Pickett, for example, um, <laughs> uh, there's a chance if they bounce back in some other areas um, and show some progress that they can, you know, win maybe five games. I think six games would be an enormous uh, success. Six and five, a throwback to like 1997. Maybe we can also go to like the Micron PC bowl again. They can bring that back. (laughs) Man, man. Goodness. (laughs) God. High school sophomore Philip Rivers resents that statement. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say only, only the real ones remember the San Diego County Credit Union poinsettia bowl. You know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> or the Bitcoin wow. bowl. We played in the we played in the Bitcoin bowl. The only Bitcoin bowl there was. So you could also <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of throwbacks uh, trash bowl games you could bring back to for celebrating these eleven game seasons from like <laughs> the mid the mid '90s. It's like. <laughs> God. I wish I was in on Bitcoin in the nineties. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't Don't be on this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> gonna say it wouldn't podcast. be on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was not clear oh. phrasing there. But the Bitcoin ball did not ex- the Bitcoin ball did not exist in the nineties. It was uh, 2014, I believe that was. I think. There you go. Getting it way well, on that, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, man. This has been this has been great. I, NC State, as we've mentioned, is a really interesting program in this in this conference. I think in so many ways, and so it's it's always a treat getting to kind of dive into them. And somebody that's a little bit more local and in the know than maybe Mike and I necessarily are at all moments. So, thank you so much for joining us and for your time. You want to tell the people real quickly where to go find your stuff? Appreciate it, guys. Um, as usual. Um... NC State back into pack.com. I'm still there, still doing the thing, despite the crushing boredom of the off season, the extended off season this year. Um, we're still there doing the thing every every day. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime soon. Yep, thank yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Mike. That was Stephen Muma once again of backintopack.com on the SB Nation Network, covering all things NC State. I, I thought that was a really fun, enlightening, entertaining, interesting discussion. I mean, there were a lot of things that went on there and a lot of things that were discussed. Do you come out feeling any differently about NC State going into the season? Not really. And mostly because, as we were talking to Steven, he was also wondering kind of how this was all going to work this year. Um, quarterback mm-hmm. is without a doubt a serious question, uh, whether Devin Leary plays well or not. Like there are a lot of questions there offensively. Um, NC State does have some skill position talent uh, that should help, but it's one of those deals where like the offense needs to take a legitimate step forward. The defense needs to be about the same as they were a year ago. So it's all about whatever happens on that side of the football, like quarterback and, um, you know, with the offensive line. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how that pans out for NC State because the defense has kind of, 
kept them in games and has hung around as best as they could, given how poorly the offense has played. So that'll be a big area to watch this year. I was going to say, I mean, coming out of that, I, I feel like I felt a little bit better about NC State coming in. There's there's really three big questions. And I mean, I, I don't expect that NC State just passes each of these tests with flying colors. But even if you're just kind of giving a passing job in each, you'll probably be a better team. And it's number one, what is the improvement moving to Tim Beck at offensive coordinator? Number two, can the offense just take a step forward here in, in a full year under Devin Leary and and that whole situation on offense with all the continuity around him? And number three, can the defense replace a couple of the pieces that they're not going to have this year that they had in previous years? Right. I, I don't think any of those are just impossible mountains to climb. Now, we can – that's all discussing NC State as a program and as a team themselves. There's a different discussion about now how does that translate to their record as compared to what their schedule is. And right. that is a that is a different discussion because again, this is not a particularly friendly schedule to them as a program. No, it's it's not, but I think there are also some opportunities for NC State to pull off some wins in uh, some toss-up games, we'll call them that you know, may benefit Dave Doran, uh, both in the mm-hmm. short and long term. And it would be good of him to try to figure out ways to get NC State in the win column for everyone's sake. Let's just put it that way. I mean, yeah. And, and I look at this schedule. Games I see as winnable. Again, we're just talking about conference games here. Wake Forest at home. Yep. Um, at, at Virginia. Uh, Duke at home. Uh, I mean... Miami or Florida State at home, I don't know. November in North Carolina, Florida teams, I don't know. Probably not. Um, at Syracuse and home against Georgia Tech. So, that, I mean, there's there's plenty of games that are just inherently winnable on the schedule, and that's before you even start talking about potential upset stuff, right? Right, so, because there, there are a lot of those. A lot of those. Yeah. Games where they will not be favored, but – I mean, it's it's not a huge leap of logic or belief to think that NC State could be better and then jump up in a one-game situation and beat a team, right? So right. the good thing about, again, not playing Clemson, not playing Notre Dame, not playing Louisville, uh, some of these is like there's, there's not many games on this whole schedule that I'm just ready to go ahead and chalk up as a loss. Like there's games that I think that they'll lose, but – very, very little here that I'm just like, they can't win that game. Right. Agree. So Virginia Tech in the opener. Um, Virginia Tech was pretty bad in the month of September last year, Joey. And mm-hmm. Virginia Tech will be favored. They are the better team. That's not they're to say home. that NC, they're, they're at home. That's not to say that NC State can't go into Blacksburg and win that game. It would be a lot different mm-hmm. if there were... 65,000 fans in the stands at Lane Stadium. I, I think NC State would have a lot of trouble winning that game. Um, but you're going into a different environment, and who knows what happens. Um, I think that's one of those games that wouldn't really shock anybody. Um, I, I think people would be a little surprised uh, to, to see NC State win that game, but Virginia Tech finds a way to lose these games every year where you're like, oh, yeah, they're favored, they should win, and then they don't. So by that alone, that, that wouldn't shock me. Um, they, they have Pittsburgh. On October 3rd, another game where, and a little bit 
similar situation. Pittsburgh's got a talented team returning, a really good defense, um, an offense that has room to grow, but a veteran quarterback. Again, a the game where Pittsburgh will be favored. Would it shock you if NC State jumped up and won that game? I mean, you'd be surprised, but you wouldn't be shocked. And, and then just I mean, kind especially, of... I would say, especially ahead. looking at Pittsburgh as a team that we don't think is going to be some particularly offensively prolific team in a, a right. lower scoring game. Right. A lot of things can happen when the winning team only scores 24. Like it doesn't take that much. Correct. Correct. Um, and, and then, you know, later on in the schedule, you know, they got Miami on November 6th and we just did a whole preview about Miami, Joey, that was recently released. And like, we talk about how bad the hurricanes can be but also how good mm-hmm. they can be. So mm-hmm. there's var- there's variability there. Um, and then Florida State, like, <laughs> look, first-year head coach, you know, offensive scheme change, defensive scheme change, like a lot of stuff's happening in Tallahassee. Like Florida State should be the better team, but it's year one. So, yeah, again, winnable. There, there are plenty of, like, quote-unquote winnable games on the schedule for NC state and even the games where they're not going to be favored. in, I don't look at them and be like, you know what? There's just no way in hell they can win that game. The, the one game I will point to Joey on here that I think NC state will have a really, really hard time winning is North Carolina. And the reason mm-hmm. why a little bit different. So like Virginia tech fans listening to this, will be like, Oh my God, like Virginia tech could be as good as North Carolina. What, how can you say that about one, not the other? North Carolina's offense and how prolific it is, it would be nearly impossible for NC State to win that game unless they took like an astronomical leap offensively from a year ago. Like NC mm-hmm. State's defense is good enough to keep them in games. It's not good enough to hold North Carolina down for four quarters when their mm-hmm. own offense is having trouble getting in the end zone more than two or three times. That's going to be NC State's issue um, in, in that game in particular. I would be very, very shocked to see them jump up and win that game um, against the Tar Heels. It's an in-state game. I get all that. It would just be very difficult to envision that happening. So that's the one game I look at. I'm like, I don't really see a path there for NC State. But all the others I, I was going to say, I was gonna say the, the biggest thing that makes me think that NC State could win that game is, well, it's a rivalry game. So, you know, hashtag throw the records out. Shout out to the solid, solid verbal. Yep. Um, but even, I mean, again, Steven mentioned in the preview, he's like, I, I'm just almost not, gonna, not even going to address that game as like a thing that they could win. He just doesn't, that, that is, it is interesting looking at this. That is kind of far and away the game. It seems like it makes the least amount of sense that they would actually go out and win. Okay. And it's, it's not, it's not even just necessarily the matchup. It's also looking at again, where this falls in the NC state schedule. That is the fourth straight week they'll be playing. Two of those, they'll be a road trip. Then they come home and they play a, a, another functional rivalry game against Duke. And then they got to go to Chapel Hill and and play against a team that they'll probably be outmatched against. And it's 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 just across the state, so that's that's fine. But like, it's still another road trip and and all this. So it's I, it just doesn't set up well for me um, for NC State to go win that game. But right. So and the other thing I was going to mention is, again, of games that it seems like it's it's very winnable, I, I do want to point out that you are getting Georgia Tech December 5th. This is the last game of the regular season. That is not the time you want to be playing this Georgia Tech team. I don't I think. I mean, who, who knows how beat up or injured they are at that point. But, like, 
you know, getting towards the end of year two of a new staff, like if Georgia Tech is ever going to be showing some consistency and some uh, some some development and building on itself and all that, like that's where you're going to see it. You you would love to play Georgia Tech week one, week two, where they're still trying to figure it out and probably haven't decided on a starting quarterback yet and this, that, and the other thing. But getting them very end of the year is, is not ideal. And it's, it's right. weirdly – almost the exact same situation as last year playing them, you know, about a week before Thanksgiving on a Thursday night. Like you just haven't gotten a lot of help from the scheduling gods on uh, playing Georgia tech earlier in the year here in the early in a coaching change. Right. Because I think you feel a lot better about it if they do play them early in the year. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well they're not going to NC state's not going to lose that game. But now it's like, ah, well, you sure. What, so, yeah. what they are in week one, week two and what they are in, week nine, week 10 might be fairly drastically different things. So agree. So, so with all that being said, what do you think for record here? And this is, I think the thing that I was saying about the, I, I think the team can and should be better, but that it might not really show itself in the record. I think I like the three and seven prediction. I, I think they'll get some of these, but I mean, there's again, there's enough like landmine games on the schedule. Like, do I do I really, really expect NC State to run the table against Wake Forest at Virginia, Duke at Syracuse, and Georgia Tech at home, and then also knock off anybody else? No, I think three and seven is probably about right. Maybe four and six, depending on you know the level of improvement. You got to remember again, the turnover luck thing is going to flip. There's going to be less injuries just by the nature of, again, luck. And, and year two under the, under the you know, quarterback with Devin Leary and all that, like, again, there are reasons to think that NC State will be better. I, I just don't I, – I don't know that I'm convinced that it's going to show itself in the record, if that's a fair prediction. I think that's a fair prediction, and I – uh, I think I'm with you. I'm going to go with three and seven. Now, now that I kind of just look at how the schedule's laying out, I'm going to go with three and seven. And then obviously like I want to, I want to go with four and six. Yeah. And then like, maybe they catch that non comp like they'll, they'll beat Liberty if that non-conference game happens, but I'm just like looking at, yeah, I, I'm looking at this schedule and like you're, if you're picking them to win four games in conference, like they need to win all of the following, um, wake forest, UVA, Duke, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech. They have to win every single one of those games because the rest of them are kind of toss-ups. And like, well, if they're, they're going to win four games, they need to win four out of those five. Yeah, and because I just not, I'm not sure that they're going to. And you look like the other parts of the schedule, right? Like, I'm just not sure they're going to beat some of these other schools, right? Like, the, you can see Go it happen. Two happening. Virginia Tech, two Pittsburgh, two North Carolina. Yeah, it's yeah. It's because I think uh, yeah, w- without like overly complicating things, like uh, let me go let me go down the schedule here. I think they lose to Virginia Tech in the opener. I think they beat Wake. I think they lose to Pittsburgh. I think they beat Virginia. I think they probably lose to Duke. They lose to NC State. They lose to Miami. They probably lose to Florida State. Liberty, we're not going to count for purposes of this discussion, but they should, you know, they'll they'll win that game if it's played. And then they probably split the, the Syracuse and Georgia Tech games. So that's that's three wins. <laughs> like 
yeah, I don't see it. I, that's that's three and seven, and that's me being like, you know what? With toss ups being like, yeah, they probably lose like to Duke, or they probably lose. To, you know, it's just tough to it's tough to see them eclipsing that, and I think that gets Dave Doran fired even in a pandemic. I think it does. Hmm. I, I was gonna say I, I think about the same if I'm picking the three and seven. I, I probably flip the Virginia and Duke games. I think that they probably lose at Virginia, win at home against Duke, but. Yeah, I mean, split Syracuse and Georgia Tech, probably, I don't know, beat Wake, and yeah. What else? But again, <laughs> That's I mean, it. This is a bunch of teams that they lost to last year, so like some of this is just also kind of interpolating. So, I don't know, hard to say. Hard to yep. say. Mike, that's all I got on NC State. Anything else? I think we're good. I think we're good. Um yeah, big big year for the Wolfpack. I feel like we say that about a lot of schools, but really big year for the Wolfpack. I, I mean, and as Steven said, if you go like five and five, Dave Jordan's not getting fired. That's that's yeah. progress. That's good. You you had a good win or two under your belt, like good to go. Five and five means that you pulled at least one upset, maybe two. Um that's that's real good. And we're talking, again, mm-hmm. strictly conference schedules here. Like, if they get five ACC wins, Dave Doran's not going anywhere. Yeah, he'll be just fine. So, yeah, pivotal year, interesting year, interesting schedule. So I, I, I am legit curious to see kind of what ends up happening here with NC State this year. So, um, But at the same time, you know, Mike, you, me, Steven, we all got him at three and seven. So we do, you know, maybe we'll be proven wrong. Maybe we'll be proven wrong. Uh, all right, Mike, let's get out of here. Let's go back and uh, preview some more teams. But in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI together. We're at BC podcast ACC. And once again, you can find Mr. Steven Muma on Twitter. He is at Akula Wolf, A-K-U-L-A-W-O-L-F, all one word. Um, go check him out for all the good things. NC State. Um, again, he he knows that program. Again, backwards, forwards, upwards, downwards, all sorts of directions. So, go check him out uh, and and thank him for his time here. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, whatever Google's podcast form is now. Uh, Breaker, Stitcher, the Overcast app, uh, Spotify, and most importantly, Mike, they can find us on Anchor. Appreciate those who have. Uh, they can send us an email with questions, comments, concerns, anything else to the longest email address, known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And you want to tell me where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. Appreciate those who have. And share us with your friends. If you've got good NC State friends, they probably want to hear what, uh, what was said here by Mr. Stephen Muma. So uh, hit us up. Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else? I think we're good, man. On to the next preview. That's right. That's right. I was going to say, you want to come back and preview some more teams? Got to. Got to. We're, we're getting there. We're probably around halfway there. I, I lost count, but I think we're probably around halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. We we got – we we we've made some good progress here over the last week or so. That's for sure. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. So we will, uh, we will continue previewing these games as long as uh, we know they're going to happen, which, as of now, they are on the schedule for. So uh, – Mike, it's been fun. We will uh, talk again soon. Yes, sir. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver and Mr. Stephen Muma. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.